friend. Welcome to Plays Well with Others, a podcast for creative community to discuss everything from the sensitive to the silly, but most importantly, to explore play. Come play with us. I'm your podcast host and wiggly dancer, lover of ducks and hats, Alex B. Arnapol. Let's dive in, shall we? Welcome back to another episode of Plays Well with Others. I have to say, it feels really good to get back into a practice of consistently podcasting. I didn't think when I first started this that it would become such an outlet, a creative outlet, really. It was suggested to me to begin podcasting because I was already a writer and I was already a teacher, so I was perfectly comfortable talking in front of crowds recording what I had to say, but I never thought it would be something that actually felt good. These days, so many things that we're surrounded by don't feel good anymore. So to get back to something that, yeah, I can say with confidence, I really like podcasting, that in and of itself also feels good. Before we jump into this week's material, I'm curious, how many things feel good to you? What are you doing in your life that feels nourishing and pleasurable? As you may or may not know, my personal definition of play is the intersection of presence and pleasure. And pleasure is really multifaceted. When I say pleasure, I'm not just talking about the feel-goods to the body, to the skin, to the senses. Pleasure can also be the relief from tension. Pleasure can be harm reduction. Pleasure can be finding stillness or finding a sense of ease. There are so many ways to approach the concept of pleasure. So where in your life are you seeking pleasure? Where in your life are you being asked to be more present? Honestly, this is one of the reasons I love being in community. I love community support to act as a mirror and remind me that there are so many moments that I'm forgetting about every single day. They ask me to be more present. So, if you're someone like myself that seeks more pleasure, that seeks greater presence, I would encourage you to check out our membership with Rec Center. Our membership is a month-to-month commitment where you can be held in community, explore creative play, and seek support. Consider us preschool meets art school, a place where sharing is caring coexists with transformative thought. If this sounds up your alley and you're excited, we encourage you to use discount Free Play Buddy. That's Free Play Buddy. No caps, no spaces to receive 25% off your first month. Consider it a gift or trial on us. If you like it, stay. If not, no pressure. We hope to see you there. And with that, I'm excited to jump into today's material because it's a subject that isn't really seen as pleasurable very often. In fact, 
we tend to gloss right over it, pretending like it doesn't exist. Can you guess what it is? Yeah, we're talking about endings here. As we continue our exploration from last week, where we look at cycles of creativity and growth, it might feel counterintuitive to begin with endings. But I would argue that endings are really at the core of every creative act. Let's begin with a rather harsh reality. Let's get it out of the way. Everything in life, in nature, in the universe, it eventually dies. Every system will eventually fail. This is the harsh and beautiful reality we live in. This is the spiralic quality of life. It has to have an end point in order for us to call it life at all. The same goes for our creativity. Our creativity is like a living, flourishing, breathing thing. And if we don't honor and recognize and acknowledge the endpoints, the deaths within our creative process, well, then it's also not truly living, not truly thriving. I think there's something really beautiful about the idea of endings. Because it means two things. One, when one thing dies, it becomes compost for the next life. So whether that's our bodies or our plants, maybe even our art, the death of one thing means life for another. Again, it brings us back into that spiral. And also, if we operate under the knowledge that everything must end, everything must die or fail one way or another, that's actually really beautiful because that means that we know the end of the story. We get to refocus or recenter in the middle portion. Funny enough, Rec Center's original name did not have a space between Rec and Center because I wanted to call to mind the idea that we are re-centering through play. In acknowledging endpoints, deaths, decomposition is one way to honor the center as well by acknowledging the end. We acknowledge and really highlight the center, the peak, and the middle. This makes me think of a piece of writing by the author, artist, teacher, Marley Grace, where they mention the idea of everything being a sunset. That instead of seeing these moments in life as, oh, what a tragic ending, this is the sunset that brings on the night, that brings on the sunrise and a new day. It's just one part of a cycle. And how beautiful to acknowledge as that sunset unfolds and cascades over each of us. So why are we talking about this in the context of play in our creative cycle? One, acknowledging an ending is a form of presence, one of the cornerstones of my definition of play. It allows us to be here now, acknowledging an endpoint brings us to the center. Also, when we begin to transform our perspective of endings or deaths into something really beautiful like compost or fertilizer, we are bringing in pleasure. And again, pleasure doesn't have to be this big orgasmic experience. Pleasure can simply mean 
I feel at ease. And I feel at ease with this idea. So if we were to approach our creative process, our creative cycle, with a sense of presence and pleasure, especially as we regard endings, that means we have to learn how to compost the dang thing, right? We have to learn how to take where we've been, our traumas, our quote-unquote failures, and compost them into something truly beautiful from which we can grow out of. But in order to truly compost, we have to, much like death, mourn and grieve. And that's healthy and okay to look at our creative path and say, I need to mourn or grieve this. Personally, I haven't been on a stage in almost two years. For those that know my creative work, I'm a performance artist. Yes, I also do ceramics. I have many practices. I'm a multidisciplinary, interdisciplinary, squishy creative. But really, one of my true passions is performance art. Pre-pandemic, I had just begun to find a community of like-minded weirdos to share my love for performance art and feminism, weird Nick Cage movies, and things that make the audience really uncomfortable. It was amazing. And then, of course, the pandemic hit. How do we navigate something like that when our entire existence is built around the public sphere? I loved what Rec Center Masterclass facilitator Ariel Astoria said recently, that when we are in our lowest state of doubting our creativity, to finish the sentence, I am a creative despite And then you fill in the blank. Funny enough, Ariel and I had the exact same sentence. I am an artist, even if I don't have a stage, or despite a lack of a stage. That being said, even though I believe in my inherent worth, I still mourn the loss of being on the stage. It feels truly dreadful sometimes. Who knows, perhaps that's one of the reasons why I love podcasting. It gives me an outlet, an outlet that otherwise I would be putting on the stage. So I guess you all are benefiting from my lack of stage time. But in a future reality, I hope we can hold two things true, and I can be a podcaster and a performance artist. Alas, I digress. What I really want to emphasize is that I'm still mourning the loss of the stage of who I was when I was in front of an audience, of who I am now without it. There feels like there was almost a death in my life that I lost a part of myself, and I'm grieving them. I miss them. But I also know that the death of that performer was the compost from which this individual who is speaking to you right now was born. This process of recognizing where we've been, which was much of the work that we did in our last episode. If you haven't listened to it, I encourage you to go back. But yes, recognizing where we've been, what we've experienced, what were the traumas or the challenges, the struggles that we experienced. Allowing ourselves to grieve or to even mourn the passing of something creatively 
and then utilizing that as the fertilizer or compost from which we can grow, this is the creative process. This is the cycle. I think that all cycles in life, whether they're creative or living, are all natural. And if they're natural, they're cyclical. And if it's cyclical, we grow from death. Death is the great transformation. And in order to talk about transformation, I feel like we've got to bring in some nature friends, right? We can't do this on our own. So calling in fantastic fungi to the room to talk a little bit about transformation. Okay, I could go on at length about mushrooms because, you know, honestly, when I grow up, I want to be a mushroom. I have mushrooms in the forms of little toys. I have a little tiny glass mushroom that someone gifted me, a stuffed animal. At a certain point, I think that people got sick of giving me mushroom things, but hey, I'm I'm not sick of them. If you want to mail me some cute little mushroom toys, I'm down. But really, I am so inspired by fungi in general. I think that they are where I want to see us as a species, as human beings, moving towards their ability to work as a network, a mycelium network, their ability to exchange resources and communicate, to be connected, to break things down that are no longer needed, to remove toxins. Mushrooms are pretty darn cool. And many of these mushroom friends are also the leaders in the decomposition world. For instance, white rot fungus is wildly valuable. Bioremediation. Basically, that's the art of breaking down things that are toxic to us. White rot fungus can actually be used to clean land that's been contaminated by heavy metals and chemicals. And that also includes pesticides, PCBs, and even crude oil. And the best part is it transforms it into something new. It doesn't just take these crude oils or plastics and pesticides and eat them like a martyr. No, it takes it and then actually becomes the fertile soil from which new things can grow. And as these fantastic fungi break things down into simpler particles, What they also do is form collaborations. So this might be a collaboration with a tree or with the grass, with a plant, with a fly, so that multiple organisms can survive from this material. And I suppose I bring up these fantastic fungi because I really see them as connected to our own creative process. We have to learn how to break down our past experiences, our traumas, the things we're carrying with us right now, and allow them to become the soil from which new experiences grow. And I don't just mean neutralizing something that we perceive as negative, but rather taking something that maybe is seen like a toxin in the environment and turning it into the building blocks for new growth. Again, I want to honor that many of us have had experiences that simply are horrific and that 
the idea of finding a silver lining or creating a positive spin is actually really offensive. I am certainly not asking or suggesting that you should ignore or put a positive spin on trauma. All I'm saying is to take these creative experiences and consider, maybe get a little bit curious with them, that perhaps this could be the substance from which we grow. I also want to acknowledge that this process doesn't always feel pleasurable in the moment. Like I said earlier, pleasure isn't really the way that we perceive it. It's so much more expansive. These ideas of decomposition can be raw or painful. Moving through creative death can feel like bodily death sometimes. I've been there. I hear you. Being a human, it's so hard. I'm not denying this. We carry so much every day. The things that were said to us, experiences we've had, failures, loss, grief, we carry these experiences in our body. And we're often tending to a dying thing that needs to be released. I carry the dying things too, trying to nurse them back to health or really rather nurse myself back to health so that I can feel lighter in my body and in my heart. And these things that we carry, I think of a dying thing that I'm carrying with me always, and I think of dead weight. This weight that I'm carrying of something that I actually want to release, to let go of, to allow to compost, to break down, to become fertilizer. If you've ever carried someone that's fainted, you know that dead weight is the heaviest weight of them all. So maybe we need to let go of some of these dying things that we carry with us. But first, we have to recognize what we want to let go of. So friend, I invite you into an exercise that maybe isn't as pleasurable as some of the previous ones. Maybe doesn't feel playful at first. And if you want to skip over, no problem. This is an exercise in realizing what we want to release. In a journal or your beautiful brain, consider answering the following questions. Consider what questions maybe ring true to you or ones that you feel you're avoiding. Why might that be? So let's dive into these questions. Write the story, and a story can simply be a sentence. Write the story you're telling yourself in regard to your inability to be happy, creative, or abundant. List anything that's been said or done to you, either explicitly or implicitly, by family, friends, or society that's discouraged you from pursuing a life of creativity Enjoy. List any experiences that have created a negative perspective on the arts, creativity, or joyful expression. List any creative failures you've endured. List creative disappointments you've endured. When I say creative guilt, what comes to mind? When I say creative shame, what comes to mind? What were you taught, either explicitly or implicitly, about the arts? 
How might family or ancestral trauma play a role in your pursuit of creativity and joy? What about racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, ableism, or any other form of marginalization? And finally, what are you still carrying? And what do you want to let go of? Whoo, friend, you got through that one. Feel free at any point in time to pause and come back. These exercises are meant to be returned to not done at once. So give yourself a pat on the back, maybe a hug, maybe eat a nourishing snack. Take a moment and love up on yourself right now. It's okay. You have permission. So why do we want to recognize these dead things? One, it's important to notice that not all of these dead things come from you. These might be things from which you have gathered from society, friends, family, your whole life. Also, once we can see something, we can tend to it. We can care for it. So being able to recognize it, like any sort of grieving process, it's the first step. If these things are feeling sticky to you, I would encourage you to move through them. And when I say that, I mean finding a process from which you can actually move your body or move it through art, but something in which you can get it up and out of your system so that dead thing isn't sitting in your belly all your life. For me, I love to dance or move. Getting it out of my body feels so good. Also, if something doesn't feel like a truth, the thing that's dying isn't your creative failure, but a belief or a view, whether it's from society or family, that you can let die. You don't have to carry that anymore. Consider having a conversation, written or verbal, with yourself to really look at and examine if these beliefs are true or helpful. If either of them are a big no, it's time to let it go. It's time to let it compost. And as we move into the decomposition process, I would encourage you to find a way to let go of these ideas or concepts in a tangible, physical way, especially because they probably feel very physical or intangible because they're in your brain or your body or your heart. Get them out into the world. I like to write them down personally and practice a ritual, whether it is a burning ritual of letting them go, or maybe you bring compostable paper to the sea and you let them be washed away. Ways in which you can physically show yourself that you are unburdening. Maybe you write messages on rocks and throw them in a pond and feel the release of weight. Let your body feel and your mind know that they don't have to carry this anymore. And then I invite you into a process where you can actually physically see growth. One of my favorite ways to represent composting of creativity is to burn the dead things, the beliefs, the ideas, the failures, writing each belief on a piece of paper, burning it, 
and then being left with ashes. Taking these ashes and bringing them to my garden bed where I can plant something on top of it. Or maybe finding a tree nearby and digging a small hole and putting it there. Then as I see the living things growing from those ashes, I have a physical representation that I too can grow from my creative ashes. And as you start to see the growth occur, reminding yourself and bringing yourself back to the idea that you are growing from this creative experience as well. And taking a moment to wonder, what is growing from this? How has this become the compost from which I am growing? When we start to switch our perspective into one of cycles and out of a linear mind, we allow ourselves to be more connected to every step of the creative process. It allows us to move forward instead of getting stuck in these ruts. Asking yourself, why is this happening for me, not to me? Because dear one, you are growing from this experience in every moment, but if you can't see it, you won't be able to tap into the nutrients it's providing. Just as we discussed last week, everything is potential. It's energetic potential. It's just waiting to be alchemized, to be catalyzed into something new. So I encourage you to take a moment with these dead things and thank them because you're growing from them. You need them and they need you. We need to release them so we can have the capacity in the room to even invite in new creative experiences. You cannot fill a cup that's already full. We need to make room. We need to let go of the weight. And so I invite you, friend, to begin to think about what you can release, what you can let go of, because every living thing leans into cycles. We are always part of a larger cycle, even in our creativity. And when we can acknowledge how natural these cycles are, we can also acknowledge how natural and inherent your creativity is. It is our nature to create. We see it all around us, from the grass sprouting to eggs hatching, always in creation. So being creative is what you were meant to do, and being a creative is who you were meant to be. Thank you so much for joining us today for Plays Well with Others. As we continue this cyclical creative journey, next episode, we'll begin to look at taking your seed that you cultivated from episode one and planting it into the beautiful soil that you are building right now. And once we plant your seed, we'll begin to look at how to tend to that beautiful little creation. See you next time. This has been Plays Well with Others. Until next time, be present, feel good, and play every day. Plays Well with Others is a part of Rec Center, the radically inclusive space 
for creative play. Plays Well with Others is also brought to you with the support of Softer Sounds Studio. We would like to acknowledge that this podcast has been recorded and brought to you from the unceded lands of the Tonga Nations, both past and present, also known as present-day Los Angeles. Here at Plays Well with Others and Rec Center, we believe that nothing happens in a vacuum. We'd like to acknowledge some of our inspirations, which include Bell Hooks, Adrian Mari Brown, Robin Wall Kimmerer, Lindsay Mack of Tarot for the Wild Soul, Jenny O'Dell, and many, many others. This podcast, of course, would not be possible without the support of our community, which includes our internal staff, like Lucia Calderon Arieta and Alicia Wilson. And of course, all of you. Thank you, beloved community, for being a part of Rec Center and Plays Well with Others. Mm-hmm.